Hi, this is Lily, and I'm a member of the Beacon Church. Welcome to our podcast. My family and I have been attending Beacon for a few years, and we love how the pastors reason through the scriptures every Sunday. We love the fellowship, the kids' classes, the singing, and oh, the cafe is great. So if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to meet you. For the summer, we'll only have two services, one at 9.30 and one at 11.30 a.m. We're located at 65 East Williston Avenue in East Williston, New York. For more information, visit us at visitbeacon.com. See you soon. If we haven't met before, my name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And we've been having so much fun this summer kind of talking about who we are as a church and who we're hoping to be as a church even more so going forward. So you guys are on social media, right? So there's a lot of these little micro trends that that flow through social media. Like I remember when it was really popular to post your workout, right? GPS track of where you run and your pace and everybody was doing that that ran and some people still do it, but it used to be really, really hot. Like that was the end thing that you did. Remember when you used to post a couple of lines from your favorite song? That was a thing. You'd post a couple of lines and be like, yeah, that's the cool song right now. Or a couple months ago, you would post a map of all the states that you've been to. And some of you guys need to get out of New York. There are other states <laughs> besides this one. One of the trends that I really like is the videos that people post of people cooking. You ever seen these? They make me so hungry. Okay, they have these videos, and we have a bunch of them here. Go ahead and go forward. And so whenever the videos are playing, they're showing you how to make all this cool stuff, right? I love these videos. I love to watch them. Now, I don't really know how to cook, I have to be honest. Now, I can scramble an egg, or if it's in a box with directions, I can do that. But that's not really cooking, that's just reading, right? Like my wife, she can go to the pantry, she can open it up, she can grab one thing from here, one thing from here, two things from there, and we have this great meal. To me, it's like some sort of dark magic. Like I don't really understand all those. I don't understand why if you put an egg into batter, what comes out will be more fluffy. Why? Apparently, there's a difference between baking soda and baking powder. Who knew? I mean, baking soda is for getting corrosion off of the terminals on your battery in the car. We all know this. Baking powder, I, I have no idea what that's for. I, apparently, it's a thing. And these, these, you know, these videos, I think they're supposed to inspire me to cook, but they actually just inspire me to eat, right? <laughs> I've never once made any of these recipes. I did one time. There was a video I thought was amazing. Uh, I tagged my wife in it because I thought maybe that would like, be an encouragement for something like this to magically like, appear in our house. And it, it never did, but that's all right. I still like to watch these videos. And this is really what we've been doing a lot this summer as a church, is we've been talking about, you know, what are the ingredients that make a good church? What is the type of church that we want to be? What is the type of end result that we're really hoping to achieve? And we spent the first half of the summer talking about kind of the traits of our personal and collective character. So we talked about things like being generous, uh, having a warrior's soul, having grit, having a, a Christ-centered you know, sp uh, spirit and sense of discipleship and growth and many other things. And so if you've been kind of in and out over the course of this summer, I would encourage you to go back to the podcast or to the posted videos and kind of jump in on those. This morning, we're going to pivot and we're going to stop talking about the qualities and core values that we find to be most important. And we're going to actually start to talk about 
the strategy that we seek to have as a church as we accomplish our mission. Now, we have guests at Beacon every single week, and I know that that means we have guests here today. If you're a guest here, it's my special privilege to welcome you. I'm so glad that you're here. It's an interesting week for you to come because we're talking about our strategy for how we want to help our community that surrounds us be introduced to the person of Christ. So if you're here, you're thinking, is this like a sales meeting? You know, are we going to talk about how to get leads and make conversions? Just know this. We know that the local church is the hope of the world. We know that the best thing that we could ever do for you as our neighbor and our friend in the community is help you to be introduced to the person of Jesus Christ. And because it is important to us, because it is our life's mission, we're doing our best to be organized and strategic so that we could fulfill the call that he's placed on our life. So are you someone's project? No. You're simply someone's priority and someone's blessing. They want to make sure that you have a chance to be introduced to the person of Christ. So if you're a little bit unsure, just hear me out. Because we're going to talk about our plans for who we want to be as a church. Now, don't want to make this overcomplicated. Some people use big words just to make themselves seem perspicacious. Okay, but that's not what we're trying to do. We want to kind of boil this down, keep it simple, keep it streamlined, and kind of understand who God has called us to be. So I would say this. We feel like everyone should learn how to do this. Love God. Love people, grow in Christ, and serve the world. That's what we think everyone should learn how to do. Would you say that with me? Let's love God, love people, grow in Christ, and serve the world. That's it. And we feel like if each of us was pursuing that end in that mission, that we would be understanding the calling that God has placed in our lives for who he wants us to be but it can get a little bit more strategic than that. We talk a lot about a person's faith journey. You, have you heard us say that? Your journey. Have we ever said what that actually means? I'm not sure that we have. So we're going to try to explain. And I think a person's faith journey could look something like this. You're a part of the community. Then you become part of the crowd that is Beacon Church. As you become more familiar with the church, you would become more involved. You become part of the congregation. That's love God. As you start to get to know people and you love them, you become more connected. Love others. Then you're more committed. You start to really kind of learn and grow in your faith, grow in Christ. And then we go out together and we serve the world. We're commissioned by him to live on mission for him in this world. And I think for many of us, that's what our faith journey can look like. And I know that if you're thinking back personally, you can probably see where you might be on a faith journey like this. Now, God leads every person differently. And this is not a recipe. But it is a picture of what so often a person's faith journey can look like. So this is what we're going to talk about for the next five or six weeks, is circles like this. There might be five by the time we're done. There might be seven by the time we're done. I hope there are more than three and less than nine. That's what I'm hoping. And we're going to talk about this for the next six weeks or so. And so today, we talk about the first two pieces only, kind of moving from the community, this one here, to the crowd, and then what this really looks like. Because as we start to talk about strategy, we will realize it's the connections between the circles that actually matter. And so today, our time together will be extremely practical. 
because we're going to talk about what our church's overall goals are for this arrow right here, and also what each of us can do individually, personally, specifically to help the people that we know and love move from the community to the crowd. Does that make sense? That's our goal. Hopefully, by the end of this time, we'll have a good sense of what that is. First and foremost, though, we always look to God's word for his direction. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 14. Turn there if you would. We're going to read a story together. It's a parable that Jesus told. Parables are not historic in that they happened. They didn't happen. They're historic in the sense that Jesus told these stories to teach a point, to teach a lesson. You know, it's kind of like a fable, like if you're familiar with that kind of genre of literature, but it's taken so much further because a parable is told by Jesus. So it's inspired uh, through the person of Christ himself as he's teaching us how to live on mission. And so this particular parable is an interesting one. Here's the context. He was at a dinner party on the Sabbath at a Pharisee's house. A Pharisee Long story short, Pharisees were the religious leaders of their day. They were very aristocratic. They loved bureaucracy. They, were, they knew the scriptures better than anyone else. In some ways, they knew how to follow them better than anyone else because they would follow them to the letter, kind of this you know, dogmatic attention to detail. And yet their hearts had been completely lost. They were opposed to Jesus when he came, because once they realized Jesus came, they realized he was going to change everything, not just move the offering before the sermon, but I mean change everything, major changes. And they said, we cannot put up with this. And so they really became at odds. And so in Luke's gospel, this is the last time he actually sat down and had lunch or dinner with the Pharisees. After that, they just fought in the streets, apparently, which was very exciting. And so he told them this parable, starting in verse 16. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet." We're going to stop there. So Jesus is at a regular dinner party, which, by the way, at this party, they had already been fighting about who gets to sit in the most prominent seat and who should be invited. And Jesus says, imagine there's a great banquet happening. And this is something they would have been familiar with because in that Roman culture, which had come out of the Greek culture that they lived in, banquets were a huge, huge deal. They would be a massive party. And a banquet, when you were there, you would have access to the types of foods that you didn't get to eat on a normal basis, types of drinks that you didn't have on a normal basis. There would be featured entertainment. It was a great, great privilege to be invited to a banquet like this. It's not totally dissimilar from a Long Island wedding, okay? 
at a Long Island wedding, huge deal, bigger deal than it needs to be, honestly, right? Huge party, huge band. If you're getting married in the next 10 days, I apologize, but you know what I mean. It's a huge party. There's so much happening, so much going on. It's a huge deal, right? And it's a really big deal, especially for the family that's throwing it. Now, one thing that was slightly different in their day, but not totally dissimilar, is they would invite all the guests. The guests would RSVP. Then when it was time for the party, they would send someone to you and say, hey, the party is today, it's time to come. So they didn't just trust your RSVP, they would go back to you and say, it's time to come. So what had happened at this great banquet? It's guaranteed that the master had already spent a ton of money, a lot of planning, preparation, everything was done, all of the money had been spent, and the master sent the servant to the guests who have already agreed to come and said, okay, it's time to come. And they unanimously flake out. So imagine how you feel if it's your wedding, you've collected RSVPs, which you already poured over the guest list. It was very important to you who comes. Imagine they text you while, you're, while you've already got your tux on, you've already got your dress on, they text you and they say, we're not going to come. You'd be frustrated, right? You'd say, I already paid for your plate. I invited you instead of him, and now you're going to flake, and he would have come. You would have all these thoughts. The master's going through all this, so he's frustrated. Their excuses are so lame, by the way. The first one, he says, I can't come. I have to go see a field that I already bought. I'm sorry. And so I was reading into this because I wanted to make sure I didn't misunderstand it. And all the commentators said, it, it basically does mean what you think it means. He already bought the field. Now he has to go and see it. It's a little late for that. It's your field now. Okay? You can see it tomorrow. It's yours. Maybe there's some sort of like post, you know, deal inspection or something. But it's a lame excuse. And he says, please excuse me. Second guy says, no, no, no. I have to go try out my five new sets of oxen. I know all of you have oxen, boxen, but here's the thing. In those days, most people had one or two sets of oxen. Sets of oxen. That's two plurals back to back. Am I allowed to say that? I'm not sure. Two to four of these very large animals that do the work of the farm. Why would you have two to four? That's all you can use by yourself because it's just you and your family, okay? You're not like ConAgra. You're not this huge corporation. This is all you need. So for this guy to buy five new sets of oxen implies quite a bit of wealth. And it implies he has people. Otherwise, he doesn't need all these oxen. So he's saying, I'm sorry, I have to go inspect these oxen. He has people who could have done that for him, without a doubt. So it's a lame excuse. He says, I can't go. Third guy says, I'm sorry, I can't go. I just got married. What does that have to do with the price of tea in China? Like, it's totally unrelated. We're having a banquet. You recently got married. What, you, you can't leave the house now that you're married? In fact, in a patriarchal society, it would have been always his privilege to say to his wife, you have to stay home, because by the way, she wasn't probably invited. I'm going to go to a banquet. These are lame excuses. So the master immediately moves on. He says, you know what? Forget these guests. The banquet is happening. The feast must go on. Go out. And he first sends them to this second group. This group where he says, go out, find the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame, and bring them in. So the servant does that. He goes into the town. He says, listen, you people who wouldn't normally be invited to a banquet because you don't have money, you're not well off, you can't work, 
you are invited to the master's banquet. And the text says that happens. But the banquet still isn't full, so the master says, go back out. This time, go on the edges of town. Go to the highways and the hedges, which is a very interesting phrase. And as best we can understand it, he's saying, go right to the edge of town. Either, meaning people who live from out of town, which means they don't even know this master, or people who might not have a home at all. They might actually live on the streets. And certainly, in all understandings, they're outsiders. They had no right to come to the feast. But the master says, the feast must go on. My house must be full. Now, in its original context, this parable was extremely powerful because he was talking to the religious leaders of his day. He was talking to those who should have recognized the Christ, the Messiah. He's talking to the Pharisees, the invited guests. And he's saying, I'm here now. All the Old Testament has been pointing to me. You've RSVP'd because you claim to adhere to the law. I'm here now. It's time to celebrate the Messiah. And they said, we're not coming. And they were filled with lame excuses. So Jesus said, well, then we're going to move on from you. I came to seek and save those who were lost. And he invited everyone into his feast, his banquet. And they would have known what he was talking about because this feast language for eternal life with God is consistent throughout the scripture. Old Testament prophet of Isaiah, he says, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all people, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines, which means he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. This is the feast that was prophesied. The very end of the Bible in Revelation is talking about when Jesus returns and he says, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. When he's talking about the feast, they would know exactly what he meant. And he was saying, you've missed it. The feast is here, the servant is here, and you moved on. Now, as best I understand it, none of you are Pharisees, but I think we can see a, a very quick parallel because there are a lot of us who were kind of raised sort of religious, sort of knew the things of God, we sort of knew the things of faith. But have you ever stopped and evaluated? Have you personally, specifically, accepted the invitation of Jesus to come to his feast? Because being invited, that's not enough. Because the people who came to the feast weren't the ones who were invited. They were the ones who accepted. There's a tremendous difference. And so before we talk about as a church, our strategy to make sure everyone has an opportunity to make this decision, you have to ask yourself, have you considered this decision for yourself? Have you considered whether or not you've accepted the invitation of Jesus to be with him at his feast? Think about that today. So as we look at the characters in this parable, we always kind of try to figure out who they are, right? So the master, we're pretty confident saying the master is God, right? Are you good with that, all right? Now the servant, who is the servant? Certainly I think the servant is the person of Christ because he's announcing it's time to come to the party. And then we have the three groups of people, the Pharisees who bailed, and then group two and group three who are very similar in that they're unexpected guests who have accepted the invitation. And if you notice, the language gets increasingly aggressive, the second group, the servant was supposed to bring them in. The third group, the servant was supposed to compel them to come in. The master was very specific. 
But I think as we start to figure out who we are, I think we can play a couple of characters in this parable. I think we're group two and group three because I don't know about you, but the more I get to know myself, the more I realize I don't deserve to be at Jesus' feast. I'm just honored that he invited me and I'm honored to come. I've done nothing to demonstrate that I should be there except that he invited me. And now he is sending us out as his servants to compel the guests to come in. And that is our burden and our vision as a church. We want to compel those who are far from God to come and be introduced to the person of Christ. You can think of it this way. Lost people matter to God and they should matter to us. And so that is our burden and that is our passion as a church. We want to introduce our community to the person of Christ. So what does that look like? How do we introduce our community to the person of Christ? Well, first thing you should ask is, what is our community? Well, there's two ways to look at our community. One of them would be this. Everyone who's about 15 or 20 minutes from here. Pretty simple. So that's a five-mile radius, which on a Sunday morning is a 10-minute drive, and on a Monday afternoon is a 30-minute drive. Okay, right there we are in the middle, as you know, and that is our community. Let me tell you a little bit about these people. There's 425,000 people in the green circle, 144,000 households, 51.6% male. That's good news, guys. 51% of the houses have three or more people, a lot of families. What do you think the median age of our area is? Anyone want to guess? 45. Yeah, 41. So again, families. 22.5% uh, are under 18. Again, these are kids. Fairly diverse, 64% white. 18% Hispanic, 16% African-American, 14% Asian. Which, by the way, our church is more diverse than that, which is awesome, by the way. So this is our community. These are the people that we want to reach. Now, we, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the strategies we do. Sometimes we send out postcards. Go back to it if you could. I don't want to move on. Sometimes we send out postcards to this group. We can't do them all, but when we send a postcard, we usually kind of like grab this group over here kind of run along down here, we go right here, we get Joe's house, we go like this, we come around, <laughs> we come around, and then up here the houses are every couple of miles so we can cover more ground. And we usually send our postcards to a group something like this, because we consider them to be in our community, which by the way, you can stay there still, come on, stay with me, which by the way, when you see this map, you can also start to figure out what some of our hopes and dreams for the future, where we might want to like, you know, do some things, right? Because here's kind of the edge of where we can go. You know, this is a really cool town. You know, like there's just a lot of places that in the future we might be able to consider to be part of our community. Yes, I know, some of you live here, some of you live here, because that's the second way we can define our community. I was trying to think, how many people do I really know? And I can cheat a little bit because in some way I know all of you, but like, you know, if you all come up to me at once and I had to have every single name, that would not go well. So I was thinking about like my Christmas card list and other things. I'm thinking, you know what? I probably know a hundred people. There's probably a hundred people that if I saw them in the grocery store, I would have to say hello. Like I couldn't even fake it. Couldn't pretend. I would have to say. So I know about a hundred people. And Jeremy knows about a hundred. Steve knows about a hundred. Dennis knows about a hundred. And our hundreds are going to overlap a little bit. 
but not a, not a lot. And you can start to see very quickly how we build our community because we each have a, a, a green circle of people that we know. And as you build that, that starts to become our community. And we want to introduce those people to the person of Christ. We want the community to become part of the crowd. So let's go to the other circles now, the black ones. Because I want to define these terms for you now. The community, we just told you. The crowd is simple. Everyone who's come to Beacon wants. That's the crowd. So our goal first in this journey as a church is to get people from the broader community, that huge circle, whether it's the one on the map or it's the one that you know, and hope that they'll come by for a visit and just become a part of our church. That is why when you visit for the very first time and beyond, we want to stay in touch with you. We want to let you know what's happening here. We want to have your email address. Soon we're going to work on some texting things too if you like that because we just want to stay in touch with you because we feel like the local church is the hope of the world. We want to build into your life. We want you to become part of the crowd. So how does a person move from the community to the crowd? I can only think of one word. They are invited. And we do tons of things as a church to try to invite people to be part of our crowd. One of the things that we do is our fests. I mean feasts. I mean fests, right? We have fun fest, feast. We have Christmas fest. We have egg hunt, which I like to call Easter fest, kind of because it's funny. You know, the reason that we do these fests is to invite people from the community to become part of the crowd here at Beacon Church. And I'll never forget, it was about a month ago, I went to the doctor. I go to the doctor for my annual physical every 10 years, okay? <laughs> so I'm 39, so I thought I would really like to get a physical before I turned 40. And that's when I remembered I honestly got a physical when I was 29 because I really wanted to get a physical before I turned 30. So as you would expect, if you get a physical every 10 years, you need a new doctor every time because you and the doctor have both changed insurances like four times since the last time you were there, right? So I went and got a new doctor and I based it on the same criteria that I always do, which is how long is the commute and when can you get me in? Not the quality of care or, you know. <laughs> so I go and it actually was a very nice doctor and he was, you know, we we're kind of doing a small talk, which apparently you have to do. And so I'm sitting there and and he, he's also kind of like doing small talk while looking away. I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. We're going to be in. We're going to be out. So he's like, so what do you do for a living? And I'm like, oh, I'm a minister. And he's like, oh, that's nice. Where do you serve? I'm like, I'm at uh, Beacon Church in East Williston. And I'm in Hicksville at the time. And he's like, I know Beacon Church. I'm like, you do? He's like, absolutely. I live near Beacon Church. I'm like, you do? He's like, yeah, I know all about you guys. So now I'm trying to figure out, like, which way this is going to go, right? I'm like, all right. <laughs> so what are we about to talk about? And he says, I love your church. I'm like, all right, this is good. I said, why is that? He said, I love the parties that you guys have. <laughs> right? He said, I drove by your church and I saw sumo wrestling on the front lawn. <laughs> right? Which is a true story. How many of you were there for that day, right? We had sumo wrestling. By the way, it wasn't part of a Sunday service. So again, if you're a guest, relax. There's no, it's not waiting for you at the end, okay? We had sumo wrestling out front. And here's what my own doctor said to me unsolicited. He said two things. He said, number one, I love a church that has sumo wrestling. I think my family should go to a church like that. <laughs> and then he said... I think if I had gone to a church with sumo wrestling when I was a kid, I would still go, and religion would play a larger role in my life today than it does. That's what he told me, my own doctor. Of course, I said, we got a suit for you anytime, man. 
So now I'm going to have to go to the doctor more than every 10 years, though. But this is the whole point. Someone we've never met is telling me and other people that he knows that he loves this church. We could go on and on and on and on. You know, we do, that's why we do crazy series. You know, you might remember when we did a series on the walking dead. Um, if you're watching online, it wasn't called the walking dead. It was called the waking dead, um, especially after the attorney thing. So, but, you know, why do, we do a, why do we do a series called the walking dead? Why would we on Easter Sunday build a crazy apocalyptic set and it wasn't even about revelations? Because we believe if you invite someone, they might come. And why, when you come every single Sunday, do we put that card on your seat three or four times in a row? It's because we're hoping you'll give it to someone. We're hoping you'll invite them. A recent book that I read said that in about 82% of the people that you know would be somewhat likely to attend church if they were invited. 82% would come if they're invited. We could go on and on and on. This is why we're on social media as a church. By the way, if you're good at social media and you would like to help run the church's social media, let me know because um, I could use some help. But, you know, when you're there, when you see what's happening, this is for you to share with your friends. This is for you to, you know, maybe you would do, want to do a Facebook check-in so people know where you attend church. I mean, this is a big part of what we do. You know, we, we, send, uh, you know, we send a new mover postcard to everyone in our green circle. When you move into the community, we send you a postcard that says, hey, if you're looking for a church in a new community, come and check us out. Did any of you come because you got a new mover postcard? Yeah, see, half a dozen already, just like that. Okay, we're not going to cancel it then. We're going to keep it. And on and on we could go. The point is this, as a church, it is our value to be inviting people from the community to the crowd. And the church means us, all of us. So anytime we have opportunities like this, when we have fests, when we have crazy series, when we have bless events, which are exactly for this. Did you know when the outreach team throws a bless event, the only thing they measure is how many people from the community came? Did you know that? So if they did a board game night and 200 people came and zero of them were from the community, we would never do it again because it would be a disaster. Because we want to invite people from the community to the crowd. These are great opportunities for you to personally engage in ministry. Now, this is not all that ministry is. Remember, we've chosen today to focus only here, okay? So this is not all that ministry is. You know, helping your friend find the person of Christ isn't simply inviting them to FunFest, but it very well might be the beginning. And so as we go forward through this next ministry season, when the fests happen, jump in and engage, man. Bring people with you, serve, let people know that it's happening because all of this stuff is, is what it takes to start to introduce people from the community to the crowd. Does that make sense? I'm going to ask the band to come up because we're going to continue with our service. We're going to worship. We're going to receive the elements of communion. But the point of this is very simple. Like I said, many of you, are, you're a guest here today, and this is the first time you've even come, and you're thinking, wow, I didn't know that they thought of me as a circle. We, we don't, not even for a second. We love you personally and individually, and the most important thing that we could ever do is begin to introduce you to the person of Christ. If you're sitting with your friend who brought you, they are showing you love and connection because they're just saying, you know what? God is doing something here. God is doing something in my church and I think you should come and check it out. 
And even this week and this month, if you continue to think about this, you'll think of other friends of yours. And you say, you know what? I have this friend in my community. I really wish he was part of the crowd at Beacon because I think that he or she would be well served to be around some of these people. Some of these other people, not so much. But, you know, to be around these people, though, to say, you know, God, pull me into your, your, your family and we can begin to just connect into a meaningful Christian community and be introduced to the person of Christ. So let's stand and let's worship.